Whether you have a general interest in health and wellness, or you are already a medical professional, we're here to provide you with tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. This is House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year, everyone. I can't believe 2019 flew by just like that. But you know, I love the idea of the new year because it gives me that starting line to get going on some new ideas or goals. And this year's a little different. It's the start of a new decade. And I know I'm looking forward to going into this year with 2020 vision, you know, better and longer lasting resolutions. I brought in Dr. Jeffrey Fine, an internal medicine doctor at Hackensack Meridian Health Medical Group to talk about some healthy tips for the new year. Welcome. Great to be here with you, and I'm excited to, uh, you know, discuss some resolutions. I'm so happy you could join me. Yeah. Now, do you happen to know, uh, just a fun fact, the origination of the New Year resolution? I do not. So I was uh, actually watching the History Channel, and it started back uh, in the time of the Babylonians, some 4,000 years ago. And apparently they held these annual celebrations, though it was mid-March, to kind of commemorate the new year, because that's when the plants, uh, the crops started to bloom. And it was kind of their way of saying, you know, any debts that we owe, we're going to repay in the new year. And it's said to kind of just have started the resolutions. So I thought it was uh, an interesting way of kind of tying that in and getting started on this. Yeah, definitely. Can you kind of guess the percentage of people who make New Year's resolutions? I would say it's pretty high. I think the new year gets a lot of people thinking about uh, where they are in life and where they want to be. So I'm going to guess 80%. It's actually a little higher. Um, There was a psychological study that said roughly 93% of people commit to some kind of new year's resolution, which I thought was pretty on point with what I thought. And now out of all of the possible resolutions, what do you think some of the top ones are? Well, it's got to be weight loss. It's got to be exercise. And um, probably uh, connecting more with friends and family. Wow, you hit three out of the four. The last one, actually, it's saving money. So saving that's, money. I know okay, that's one for me, go. too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> for all of us. Yeah. And one more just out there question for you. Do you know how many people actually commit to keeping their New Year's resolutions? All of them? <laughs> out of the, the percentage, yeah. Uh, I'll say about 10%. Yeah, so uh, a Nielsen survey actually highlighted that um, only 40, 45% of people fail to keep their New Year's resolutions within one month, and only 19% keep them for two years. And I thought, wow, that's that's a big percentage of people. Sure, sure. So let's kind of go back and talk about some of these New Year resolutions. And you hit the nail on the head again, talking about getting in shape being a top resolution. So what are your thoughts about this, Dr. Fine? Let's paint a scenario for somebody who may not be fit or active at all, how can somebody kind of ease into this and how can they really get into shape? It all starts with a single step and that can even turn into the steps of uh, daily walking habit, for example. So, you know, any goals that we're setting for them to be specific, like what specific activity would you be engaged in? For example, walking, measurable, how much activity, how many sessions. So let's say I wanna start walking with my friend around the neighborhood for one mile three times a week you want them to be attainable so something that you can really start to follow through on realistic and and time connected so exactly when would you be doing this activity monday wednesday friday for example those are some good tips now 
in your expert opinion, how much exercise should somebody be getting uh, a day or even a week? I don't, I don't even know if it's supposed to be daily. Right. So, I mean, current recommendations from national guidelines basically says uh, a minimum of 150 minutes of light exercise or um, 75 minutes of vigorous activity per week. So let me just break that down. That would be 30 minutes a day for five days of lighter exercise, like walking. And then it would be at least 15 minutes a day for five days a week of something a little more vigorous like jogging. But of course, the more the better. So, I mean, I think it's reasonable for for people to shoot for uh, 30 to 40 minutes a day of of some exercise um, five days a week. And is it okay to do the same kind of exercise every day or five days a week? So say you walk 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Do you think that's as impactful or should you switch it up and maybe try to jog for 30 seconds? And then, you know, what are some tips or advice on that? I think walking is excellent as a, as a kind of low level exercise, if you will, but it's great. It's a great way to be moving and it's much better than not doing any exercise, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that also includes getting up and walking around during the day as well. A lot of us sit at our desks all day and, um, you know, there's been studies that kind of show that the more we get up and move, the better our long-term health outcomes are. In terms of exercise, uh, variation, we, it would be good to have some strength training involved as well. Um, maybe one or two times a week, and that can include weightlifting, uh, kettlebells, bodyweight exercises, like squats, lunges, push-ups. It could also just be, you know, pushing a wheelchair or a stroller if you're if you're pushing, a, you know, helping a loved one to uh, to move around town. So there's a lot of different ways you can go with this, but I think the main thing is to develop some habit of something that you can do regularly to get yourself moving, you know? I am a big advocate of taking the stairs whenever possible. Did you take them today? No. I just caught it. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was the seventh floor and I didn't want to come in sweaty. But at my office, which is on the fourth floor, I almost always take the stairs and um, gets the heart rate going a little bit. You feel a little better and you feel a little more awake. So I think I'm a big advocate of taking the stairs in general. Getting in shape is a little bit more than just exercising. Uh, I know that eating definitely kind of plays a role with that. What are some healthy food choices to make in the new year? To me, this is the most important facet of, of lifestyle medicine, of a healthy lifestyle in general. And the reason I say that is that although I certainly advocate for people to find time to exercise every day or every other day, um, we don't always do that. Let's face it. We, we do always eat. Pretty much everybody eats every day. And that's why it feels very strongly that three times a day, you want to be making that choice that's, that's giving your body better fuel and also, you know, setting you up for a long, healthy life where you do not have to be relying on medications and you don't have the classic, uh, you know, American uh, chronic diseases like uh, diabetes and high cholesterol and high blood pressure. So, um, this is definitely a, uh, a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And again, you want to start with realistic goals, but in terms of a big picture approach, I think, um, and again, I'm very passionate on this topic, so I, I research it a lot. It seems very clear that the science points towards a more plant-based diet 
fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, which are beans and uh, peas, basically, is really a great way to to move your health in, in a positive direction. And an easy way to think about that is to is to make yourself a, a starchivore, if you will. Someone who really who eats a lot of starch. That's different, a starchivore. I've never heard that. Yeah, I, I took that term from Dr. Uh, John McDougall, who's a uh, very prominent uh, lifestyle med- medical practitioner out in California. And the reason starches are so great is because in general, they're very high nutrient foods, especially if you're eating uh, sweet potatoes, for example, or uh, beans or lentils. And they're also very, very filling and satisfying. So one way to kind of shift your diet is to start moving away from from meats and processed foods, meaning anything that's packaged basically, and kind of move towards starches and big salads and fruits and, and whole grains, meaning uh, brown rice and other non-processed grains. Do you actually follow a plant-based diet? I do. I do. I actually, um, it's not trying to go on this whole kick, but I actually started um, following a, v- a more vegan diet yeah. over the past several months. And I've seen such a transformation. I've lost weight. I have more energy. I sleep better. It's my skin is cleared up. It's insane. It's it's definitely a lifestyle change. You it know? is. And my family over Christmas thought I was a little crazy sure. for not eating any of the seven fish. But <laughs> you know, it's uh, I I would agree. I think the plant based diet. And I've read a lot of books too. That kind of support. It's yeah. Very good for your body. When you look at a plant based diet, it's been shown to be able to reverse heart disease, even in really advanced heart disease patients. Um, you know, without without drugs or surgery, or sometimes in conjunction with drugs or surgery. And the other thing is a, a plant-based diet has really been shown to be the most efficacious long-term diet for weight loss. The details, I could go on and on about this, but I think that's really something people need to know. That That is the scientifically most valid way to improve your nutrition. When you look at high saturated fat, that's what causes high cholesterol, and that's essentially what causes heart disease okay Mm -hmm. and that's the number one killer of men and women in the united states so we really have to be mindful that we're not just trying to uh i'll steal a line from dr gregor we're not just trying to fit into uh, skinnier coffins we're trying to live longer healthier lives and i think that a plant-based diet is really a way to to address all aspects of health not just weight loss but also you know, all of the dietary diseases that kind of ail us as Americans. I definitely think we talked a lot about nutrition, which is great because a lot of the people listening to this are definitely interested in, sure. you know, losing weight for the new year, getting in shape. But another resolution that I know um, many people have is getting more sleep. And I read something that actually was quite alarming. Um One report by the Travel Agent Central back in 2018 said that 51% of the world is getting less sleep than they need. And workers around the world take an average of seven days off per year just to catch up on sleep. That is insane to me. I had not heard those statistics, but... Insane. Yeah. What is... That's wild. Right? So what is the importance of sleep? It's our body's time to kind of heal itself. Um, I'm certainly not as well-versed on all the benefits of good sleep as I am about nutrition. But that being said, in... From personal experience, I know when I get good sleep and when I don't and how much it affects my my mental clarity and my mood throughout the day. Um, It also doesn't surprise me that people are getting less and less sleep because we have these amazing uh, electronic devices. We have 
you know, connected not connected 24 seven connected 24 seven. And, um, you know, hopefully you're not listening to this podcast late at night instead of, uh, going to sleep and, and getting a, a good night's sleep. Um, there are some, there are some tips for better sleep that, you know, I think are important. Um, getting more sleep is probably good for most people. I know it's recommended seven to eight hours roughly, uh, for adults. Um, but getting, higher quality sleep can be just as important. So, um, just some of those, some of those tips would be to establish a regular sleep schedule. So really try and go to bed the same time every night and wake up the same time every morning, even on weekends. I know that can be difficult, but, but trying to get your body in that sort of routine can be, can be very beneficial. Um, definitely minimizing, uh, bedroom noise and lights and, um, one, you know, one practical tip would be to maybe get one of those eye masks that, mm. that really black out um, all the light coming in. Um, something interesting, which I just heard about recently, and, and I've seen that there are, you know, there is data to back this up, increase your daytime exposure to sunlight. So by getting just a little bit of sun every day, you're getting your body into more of a natural rhythm that, okay, that was the daytime. And then at nighttime, it's it's time to go to sleep. You know, we're so re- we're so removed from natural light in our day to day. I I know I am uh, sheltered over here in an office. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but getting outside and getting a little bit of sunlight can can really help your kind of set your body's rhythm. Avoiding caffeine later later in the day. You know, I think people understand that intuitively. Caffeine is a stimulant. The half-life is such that it's not completely eliminated from your body at night. So you want to, you know, not, I, I know we're all hooked on caffeine, but to um, see if you can really not have any so after four. So you're saying four. I shouldn't go get my Americano at 8 o'clock p.m. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> to, to put a fine point on it, uh, that is what I'm saying. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I know. Um, avoiding alcohol late at night as well. So avoid alcohol in general is a is a, is an important health tip, but avoiding alcohol late at night, um, within three hours of bedtime can help you as well. Staying hydrated and, um, and also just, uh, developing a bedtime routine, which might include meditation or some other form of relaxation to kind of get you into a nice deep sleep. So definitely an important topic Mm -hmm. and something that I know people are always coming into the office and asking about. And, Sleeping pills are generally not the answer. They're really not. What is the answer is is kind of these lifestyle changes that that we talked about. Another resolution that I know people have, especially myself, is to reduce stress in the new year. So uh, again, I was doing some research trying to prep for this podcast and the American Psychological Association back in, wow, I just got tongue twisted. American Psychological Association. Uh, that's a tough one. Don't yeah, that feel is. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 2017, so three out of four Americans reported experiencing at least one stress symptom uh, a month back in that year. So those some of those symptoms include lying awake at night, you're restless, you're sleepless, can't go to sleep, you feel extremely nervous or anxious, you're irritable, or you're even extremely fatigued. I know this is a tad vague, but what are some tips you have to kind of accomplish reducing this burden of a mental stress that somebody may have? I think, you know, stress is a very natural thing but it can become unnatural you know it can go too far stress is our our body's way of responding to you know challenges and different things in our lives so i think the first thing to say is not all stress is bad but certainly excess stress is is a problem 
Um, the number one tip was probably to spend more time with other people. Now, some people, especially at, around the holidays, you may be thinking, well, spending all that time with other people makes me more stressed. But I think it's pretty clear that humans are, are social creatures. And, you know, we're, we're still very interdependent, but we can live lives that are separate and kind of by ourselves. We can do work from home. We can live alone. We can do things where we're by ourselves. And, and that is convenient and nice in its own ways. But really finding ways to, to connect with others as much as possible, I think, is the number one way to alleviate stress. There's something about human interaction, something something important that uh, that helps us get out of our own heads and and realize that we're we're in this with other people and that it just makes us feel better. And another thing I read online too is, you know, meditation. I'm not one to meditate, but would you say that for some people with it that may work? Yeah, definitely. And there's there's a lot of really good resources um, regarding meditation as well. What is meditation? It's basically deep breathing exercises that let your mind calm down a little bit. I think one way to incorporate this into our lives is to do walking meditation. So, so something I do when I'm just walking to my car in the morning, which is about usually about four or five blocks away from me, um, is to kind of do deep breathing as I go. Okay. And that I, yeah, I'm, I've never been one to sit and meditate myself every once in a while when I'm, when I'm feeling motivated. But to me, you get used to deep breathing and meditation can seem like a, maybe a, a scary or, or something. Or super out there. Yeah, term, like yeah. something I'm not really familiar with. What does that even mean? But I think we've all taken deep breaths and had that experience where you do a little deep breathing and all of a sudden you you feel much more calm. And it's it's as simple as taking five deep breaths. And if you could do that, if you make that part of one of your, you know, your walk to the train or the car or wherever each day, that's one practical way for me that helps to kind of use deep breathing to, to you know, to help reduce stress and, you know, help set an intention for the day. And all that being said, like, I, I definitely encourage people to, to get into a meditation habit if possible. That might be one of my New Year's resolutions, even starting with like a minute a day of, of sitting and doing some breathing. One other resolution I know, and I actually have um, a loved one who's trying to quit smoking and another one who's trying to quit vaping. Mm. I know that is extremely tough because of the addictive nature of it. What are some well first let's take a step back and to reiterate why is smoking or vaping even though i think this has been beaten to us you know why is it so dangerous for the body you know the data on smoking cigarettes and and tobacco is much more robust than on vaping because vaping is a relatively new phenomenon using e-cigarettes and that sort of thing in terms of you know smoking tobacco products like cigarettes it's essentially the number one cause of lung disease and one of the top causes of heart disease, along with being associated with a multitude of cancers. So when you're in medical school, it's almost like a running joke to say, oh, well, what's a risk factor for this disease? It's always smoking. Smoking is always one of the risk factors. When I say always, I don't actually mean that. Maybe 90, 95% ballpark figure of the things, the pathologies that we study in medical school, 
smoking is causally linked to them. You're basically inhaling a bunch of tar and chemicals. And in terms of vaping, you know, we don't have that long-term data, but there have been, and I'm sure people have heard about this at least a little bit, this vaping-related lung disease. There's something called e-valley, which is e-cigarette or vaping product use associated lung injury. Um, it's become increasingly recognized in the medical literature. There's been a lot of case reports popping up all over the country, and it's kind of uh, it's led various health authorities to really recommend against e-cigarette and vaping use. Um, so there have been essentially people who have ended up in the ICU on a ventilator or even died from, a, from, you know, an e-cigarette or vaping related injury. Um, the exact path though physiology behind that, the exact path of physiology behind all that is not always, um, entirely known, but the short answer is it's extremely damaging to your, to your lungs it's not natural in any way, it's shape, or form. It's certainly not natural. And to, to have a regular habit where you're bringing in chemicals and irritants into your lungs, you are very likely going to end up with breathing problems of some variety, and it could be much worse than that. So, of course, we don't want people to have that situation. Um, you know, definitely you can work with your physician in terms of trying to figure out ways to, to quit tobacco um, to, and, uh, you know, to quit and that can take the form of cigarettes or, or vaping. Um, so that's to answer yeah. the, the first part of your, your question there. Yeah, so actually I was going to segue into what are some tips, because I feel like the body is sometimes so dependent on these products, but I would agree I think the best steps would be to talk to your physician. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think from, from what I've learned, um, the most beneficial modalities in terms of quitting smoking are a combination of a uh, nicotine replacement. So that would be, you know, like a nicotine patch or gum in conjunction with a medication that can kind of uh, decrease your cravings for the tobacco products as well. So definitely working with your physician is, is probably the best way to go in terms of uh, finding an effective way to, to kick the habit, if you will. Well, thank you for that. Sure. Were there any other resolutions, health-related ones, that you think we should kind of discuss for anybody out there? I think we covered the big topics, you know. I think it'd be great for, for people to really write down one or two resolutions in, in kind of each of these categories and make that, you know, make that a way to to gear yourself up for a healthier 2020. I really appreciate you joining me today. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come and Happy New Year to you, Dr. Fine. My pleasure, Brianna. Thank you for having me. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. That's all for today. Until next Wednesday, thanks for listening. All participants on the Health You podcast have willingly and openly shared their stories. They have not been paid or incentivized for sharing. The views expressed by our guests solely belong to them and are not necessarily aligned with Hackensack Meridian Health.